Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, this is the last installment, the tenth sermon, on Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. So if you haven't been around, you've missed the rest. But at least you're here today to get the end. And uh, it's been a blessing for me uh, to walk through this letter, at one of the early letters of Paul's ministry, and just discover how he builds and expands. And for those of you that weren't here, we began with chapter 1 where he is referring to reminding them. Because he was in Thessalonica. And he was literally run out of town. And so part of the rest of the letter is about informing them and instructing them. And he also exhorts them. He says, you've been doing great, but you need to keep going. You need to keep on keeping on. So that you don't stop growing as if you've arrived. And that's part of what the letter is about. He also is dealing with questions that had arisen both in the early church in general, but specifically in Thessalonica. Part of those questions were around Jesus' second coming. Why hadn't he come yet? And what does that mean for us? And part of the questions having to do with how we live our life day by day. So that as he draws this letter to a close, he basically is doing a wrap-up of the big picture as to what our lives are supposed to be about, but also the day by day. The day by day you continue and day by day you grow. And this is what that looks like. What you also sense as you read this letter, particularly the closing of this letter, is Paul's incredible affection and love for the Thessalonians. And the joy that he had that they were a part of the body of Christ. And he was prayerful. Because much of this closing section really is about asking them to pray for him, but also a prayer in and of itself. May the God of peace. He's offering a prayer. He's always mindful of praying for those that he shared the gospel with, of praying for those who are in the church. So that's what you see in this closing section. And there's also one other note here about don't quench the Spirit. In other words, as you begin to blossom and grow, some people are going to change. And so you need to allow them because there are certain aspects of the church that we all are to share in common. The truth of the gospel. The theology that comes out of that. 
how we are to grow in holiness and righteousness. All of that is true for all of us. But when it comes to expressing our faith and how we do it and the gifts of the Spirit that we bring, we need to be open to one another. If it's not contrary to Scripture, we need to be open to each other. We need to allow the Lord to move in our differences. And the way we express our praise, for example. Don't quench the Spirit. Allow the Lord to release you and to release ministry in your midst. And he also says, do not despise the prophets. In other words, this is what the Lord has done in the past. This is what he wants to teach you. This is the scriptures. Because up until this time, the scriptures for the church was the Old Testament. So the Spirit is doing a new thing. That's partly why the New Testament was written, partly why the church was changing and growing and blossoming and all these different gifts of the Spirit are out there, but also, also don't forget about what God had said in the past, what God had done with His people in the past, what holiness and righteousness looks like. So as Paul begins to unfold this, he talks about constant growth and bearing fruit. What does that fruit look like? Well, that fruit looks like the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy. That fruit looks like other believers. That fruit looks like a church that learns to love sacrificially. That fruit looks like other believers. And we're to grow in this fruit. And one of the fruit of the Spirit that he specifically focuses on here is joy. That we are to blossom in joy as the church of Jesus Christ. You know, so many people in the world, and even people in the, third, in the church, think that God is a cosmic killjoy. Because people sometimes see Christians who don't express joy. And we are meant to be a joyful people. You know, some people get it in their minds that the holier you are, the more stern you look. And the holier you are, the more you have this sense of suffering for the Lord. Right? I don't see that. You know, being holy and being righteous does not exclude joy. We are to be a joyful people. Yes, holiness and righteousness goes along with that. Jesus talked about joy. Did you hear in the reading from John chapter 15? Jesus is in the upper room. What's he talking about with his apostles? So that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. He praised that in John 17. When he's in the upper room, about to go out to the Garden of Gethsemane, suffer, and then die on the cross on Good Friday. And he talks about joy here. And he talks about the outpouring of the Spirit. And then he prays for them in John 17. And all the while, what he has in the back of his mind, amidst warning them they're going to be persecuted and suffering, is they're going to also be a joyful people. In fact, overflowing with joy. That's what he wants for his church. 
to be a joy-filled church, full of love, and then out of the love, the joy comes. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is about. Love, joy. The first two. And we can't lose sight of that. See, but the only way we become that joyful people that God has in mind for us and that we are meant to share with each other is if we abide in the vine. That we are the branches. That we are constantly connected to the Lord. That we draw from Him His Holy Spirit. That we draw from Him His life in us. That my sense in in Jesus' life, that as much as many people misunderstood Him, and many people thought He was actually misleading the people, that what drew people to Him was that He was full of love and He was full of joy. How do we do that? Because that's what Paul outlines at the beginning of the passage we have before us. And that's really what I want to focus on. Those three phrases, those three verses. Rejoice always. Pray constantly or without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always. Are you someone who is described as a joyful person? Do you see yourself as a joyful person? Because that's God's goal for our life now and for all eternity. I've quoted on other occasions C.S. Lewis. I love what he says about heaven. He says, joy is the serious business of heaven. See, and that is meant to be reflected in our life now. It's not just when we arrive and the rest of the time, you know, life is drudgery and then you die and then you get the joy. No. Then when we start talking about eternal life, that is what we begin to live now, which means that we are a joyful people. Think about what that's based on. Think about what Jesus came to do. He came to be the full expression of God's love. He did it as he walked the earth and then he went to the cross. He died for us, in our place for our sin. He brought us salvation and eternal life. He rose again from the dead to show He has power over sin and death. If that doesn't show and reveal the depth of God's love, and if that doesn't produce joy, the church is in trouble. Because that's what it's meant to be based on. That's the foundation. That's where the fruit of the Spirit comes from when we accept Jesus as Savior and Lord. Because then we're meant to be filled with the Spirit and allow the Spirit to move in our lives. Why is it? As much as in the church, joy is supposed to emerge and grow. Why is it that so often we lose joy? That it just seems to evaporate from our lives. It is so elusive in our culture. 
that it oftentimes gets pushed out by by the other challenges that we have. And we as Christians are meant to be contagious with joy. You know, a lot of us are very aware of contagious things right now, aren't we? Ebola has been in the news more than we ever care for it to be there. And we are coming upon flu season. Have you gotten your flu shot yet? You know, we are so aware of contagious things around us. What if we were contagious with the right stuff? What if we were contagious with the love of the Lord? What if we were contagious with the joy of the Lord? And that's what we spread with each other here and to the world around us. How we would be a blessing. That that's really what bearing the fruit of the Spirit is. You know, I remember one of the most joyous, joyful days of my life was when I got married. I don't know that Meredith would say the same thing, but... But it really was. And here's one of the reasons I know that. Because as we were driving away, Meredith and I were driving off from our wedding reception to our honeymoon. I turned to Meredith and said, my face hurts. Now, this is not the first line of a joke, by the way. I said, my face hurts. And she kind of looked at me funny and I said, I realize that I've been smiling for two days straight. The rehearsal and the wedding and every time we greet me, I just smiled and my face was sore and tired. Do you know why? I read this later. You use more muscles in your face when you smile than when you frown. Have you ever heard that? You know what? We have saggy faces. Our faces are out of shape. And we need to get our faces in shape. You know, we are so worried about the rest of our bodies. You know what's most important? Your face. We need to be a joyful people. And I'm not just talking about being happy that comes and goes. I'm talking a depth of joy in our lives that never goes away. And I still have joy in my marriage because Meredith and I spend time together regularly. And I guarantee you, if you spend time with the Lord daily and you're filled with His Spirit, that His love and His joy will be in you. And that that joy will color your life and show on your countenance, show on your face. And that's what, as we read in the scripture, that's what he desires for us. That my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. And that's why Paul begins with, rejoice in the Lord always. We don't need to be a dirgy people. We need to be a joyful people who bear the fruit of the Spirit. Because it begins with love and continues in joy. Because we've discovered His love, because we embrace His love, because we're filled with His Spirit, 
we become a joyful people. And the way we stay that way is the next line. Pray without ceasing. Or, as the version I read on a regular basis, pray constantly. Constantly. You know, there's different words that are used for translation. One of the words that I saw is incessantly. Do you know incessant people? Usually they're really annoying. But this is a good incessant. That we are incessantly connected to the Lord. It's what Jesus modeled in his life and ministry. That when he began his ministry, what did he do? He called his apostles around him, and then he walked with them day in, day out. That's what it's like to pray constantly, that we are constantly constantly aware of the Lord's presence in our lives, like the apostles walking with Jesus. That it's not we log time in church and then we're never conscious of Him. And it's not that we spend that time in the morning and then we forget that that imprint, that mark, isn't just for that time. It's for the rest of our day and the rest of our lives that we are walking with our Lord. Jesus talks about dwelling with, abiding with. That's what we're talking about. You know, I love what Ben Williams, Ben Williams is one of my favorite pastors on the island. He's been at Mount Calvary Missionary Baptist for over 35 years, closing in on 40. And Ben has been here preaching on Good Friday, and I'll never forget the time that Ben said, when I close my eyes in this life and I die, and I open my eyes in heaven, and the first thing I see is the face of our Lord, I'm going to say, as I was saying. Do you understand what, he's, what he means by that? That he was going to be so conscious and prayerful that there's not going to be a break. It's seamless. See, that's what our lives are meant to be. How do we understand? How do we hold on to that joy? Because we're always walking in His presence. We're always aware of His Spirit. That we're seeking to bring Him along. Much like a parent watching over a child. Or a shepherd watching the sheep. That we are so aware that he's watching us, that we live in his presence, his constant gaze. You know, one of those times in our lives, actually, where we seem to be more conscious of that is when we go on a retreat. I don't know how many of you have ever been on a retreat. When we go on a, a retreat, we're really conscious of that. And, uh, when we go on retreat, we think about spending time with the Lord more, maybe praying more. And oftentimes, though not always on retreat, we're with the body of Christ, other believers. And so we're growing in community, and we're loving on each other. And it's really interesting, this past week in The Economist, I've been quoting out of that a few times lately. This is not an article. This is actually an advertisement. And when I read the advertisement, I had to find out more. Let me tell you what the advertisement is about. 
It is about curiosity retreats. Curiosity retreats. Dive deep. And I thought, well, it has my curiosity up at least. And of course it's in Colorado. But anyway, one of the speakers, one of the speakers is a guy by the, the name of Jason Silva. Listen to the title of his segment, Digital Transcendence. Digital Transcendence. Now I have your curiosity up. You know what? I have to confess, I didn't care so much about the first word because I'm not a computer geek. My son is trying to get us to upgrade our television. But the transcendence part is what caught my eye. Because anytime I hear transcendence, I think about the Lord. So I decided to do a little investigating on Jason Silva. And so I googled Jason Silva, and one of the first things that came up on an internet search was brainy quotes. So this guy, by the world's standards, is considered really, really bright. It's someone we should pay attention to because he's so intelligent, right? Let me read to you some of his quotes. Okay, The first one, you can't win the hearts and minds of the masses unless you inspire them. You must lift their spirits and enliven their hearts. And I thought, well, so far the guy signs all right. But I still had a theory about him. Listen, I built a network that curates inter interestingness. Not heard that word before. In my universe, now you're getting the picture. It encompasses thousands and thousands of filters and people, each person being a filter. So it's kind of cool. Like I've created my own utopia. We're not done yet. Once we realize the extraordinary powers we have to compose our lives, we'll move from passive conditioned thinking to being co-creators of our fate. We are gods. Our tools make us gods. In symbiosis with our technology, our powers are expanding exponentially. Consciousness, when it is unburdened by the body, is something that's ecstatic. We use the mind to watch the mind. That's what prayer is about, by the way. And that's such a delicious feeling. And when it's unburdened by biology and entropy, it becomes more than delicious. It becomes magical. Now we're into magic. This is the quote that clinched it. This is when I had my aha moment with Jason. I'm not a religious person. Are you shocked? <laughs> but when I look at a beautiful cathedral... What brings awe, what induces awe, is the idea that architecture, you know, a beautiful cathedral, a beautiful building. That's what you're about. That's why you're here. It's all about a beautiful building. See, but that's the message of the world. When you really begin to understand what's going on in a lot of our intelligent people throughout our culture. 
God is not necessary. I create my own universe. I create my own fate. I create my own utopia. It's all about what I think, what I feel. And now I've got the digital age to empower me. Let me tell you what it's really like. When we were kids, <laughs> talk about technology. When we were kids, we had a rotary phone. One. In the kitchen. And I used to love to go to the rotary phone when no one was around and dial our own number and hang it back up and let it ring and watch people run for it. <laughs> I don't usually pull pranks myself. I don't. <laughs> but you know what you hear when you pick up that phone? A hum and your own voice. And that's what it's like for people who don't pray to God. Who don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. All you get is a hum and your own voice. And that's what a lot of people are listening to. And guess who becomes God in that universe? Much like he said, you're, you're God's. Understand that when we are not walking with him, it is so easy for us to slide in to the secular humanistic culture. And it's so easy, therefore, for us to end up in despair and joyless. When we think this is all there is. When we think we're living for this life alone. When we forget that we're supposed to be bearing the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, which is joy, because the Holy Spirit lives in you. Because you walk with Jesus moment by moment, day by day. Thirdly, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. Notice that it doesn't say for all circumstances. It says in all circumstances. See, it's hard for us to imagine that. Because once again, the culture creeps in and we live in this entitled age where everything is supposed to go well. And we're supposed to have success after success. And we're supposed to be comfortable. And that's where we find happiness, is when everything goes our way. Instead of learning what it really means to give thanks in all circumstances. And one of my favorite biblical thoughts about this comes out of the book of Second Kings. It's a scene out of Elisha's life. When... He is prophesying when an enemy army was going to be trying to attack Israel and he would tell the king and the king would either evade or be prepared for it. And so the king said, how does this keep happening? And his men did some research, found out it's this prophet Elisha. So he sends an army to Elisha's home, surrounding the house. His attendant walks out the morning, you know, kind of stretching himself, sees his army around him. Goes into a panic, runs into Elisha. And says, there's this army around us, we're going to die. And Elisha walks out, 
And he says, open his eyes. And around the army surrounding his house is the army of the Lord. See, when we're stuck on the circumstances of this world, we lose sight that God's doing in our lives, in creation, and unfolding his plan. And his plan has to do with your salvation. And his plan has to do with your eternal life. And his plan, your eternal life begins now, which means you're bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Now you're experiencing his outpouring of grace. Now, if you really understand what God's trying to do in your life. So that no matter what is going on around you, you're not distracted. That you're still able to be a grateful person. You're still able to give thanks amidst the challenges. You're still able to be a joyful person. Let me read to you some other scriptures of Paul that reminds us of this. From Colossians chapter 2. Rooted and built up in him, there's that abiding, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. When you really understand what he's about. Colossians chapter 3. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. With gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks. Did you catch that? Over and over again, this whole idea of giving thanks. Philippians chapter 4. Same idea, that there's this joy mixed in with thanksgiving. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. You see how all of these work together. When we're abiding in the Lord, anchored in Him, our world can't be shaken. Why? Because we are praying constantly. We're aware of His presence. We're aware of His Spirit. We're being filled with His Spirit. And then we're able to be a grateful people. A thankful people. Not an entitled people. Not an angry people. That's what he wants for us. And that's what Paul is saying here. You know the word Eucharist that we celebrate Holy Communion, we call it Eucharist? You know what the word Eucharist means? It means thanksgiving. That we become a thankful people every time we come to worship because we remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. His love for us. Being filled with the Spirit and overflowing with joy. You know, we'll end up quenching the Spirit in us when we end up being self-centered, selfish, worldly, and buy into the world's values, or we walk away from the Lord and we walk in sin. Those will quench the Spirit. Those will rob you of joy. You want to talk about cosmic joy killers? Those are the cosmic joy killers, not the Lord. The the Lord is the cosmic joy giver. And that's what he wants for your life. 
Paul says, test everything. Test everything. So that when you read these brainy quotes from brilliant people who are supposed to direct you in the world, test them according to Scripture. How do they measure up to what God says? Paul writes to Timothy, all Scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness so that everyone is equipped for every good work. That's what he wants for you. So we test everything according to his word. And then he goes on to say, he wants us to be sanctified holy. Spirit, soul, body, mind. It's just like the first great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You set yourself apart for him. So he gives these final exhortations, these encouragements to build people up. To get them focused on some essentials so that they can walk the walk and continue to grow. You know, I think the timing of this particular scripture is perfect for this week. Don't you? What are we celebrating this week? Thanksgiving, right? Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in all circumstances. We set aside one day out of the year to give thanks. You think that's enough? You know, I think this Thanksgiving, we should imitate the turkey and get stuffed. So filled with the Spirit. So filled with the Spirit. That we overflow. That we overflow with the joy of the Lord. That we become especially mindful and prayerful that day of all the blessings God has given to us. That we are a thankful people and that on Thanksgiving Day we resolve. That we work up to it till then if you need to. But we resolve that we will be a grateful people. Because as Paul writes here, he who promises is faithful. He will be faithful. He's looking for a faithful people. That God wants to grace us with his spirit as we are mindful of the sacrifice, the gift of Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. What if we were a joyful people, a prayerful people, a thankful people every day? What difference we would make in each other's lives what difference we would make in the world. That's the message for the church at Thessal Thessalonica and St. Luke's Church today. And for the rest of our lives. Let's pray. Lord God, we are so distracted by the things of this world, the promises of this world. We're so enamored by worldly ways and success and intelligence. All that is temporary. All that in the end would leave us empty. And yet, Lord, you promise 
Lord, as we hear the storm outside, much like Peter, when he got out of the boat, took his eyes off of you and looked at the wind and the waves, how quickly our eyes can divert to the things of the world. And we begin to sink. Lord, lift us up. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. Help us to be a joyful and a prayerful and a grateful people. That we might be blessed and we might be a blessing to those around us. Help us to abide by your spirit and bear fruit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.